Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Rev. Dale Cohen. January 2nd, 2022. Welcome to First Words podcast from First United Methodist Church in Florence, Alabama. I'm Dale Cohen, Senior Pastor. And we're starting a new series on, Hey, Aren't You My Neighbor? And today I'm going to be talking about Hey Neighbor. And I'm beginning uh, with the scripture from Luke's Gospel, the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 37. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was about 2.30 in the morning when I heard a series of thuds and crashes, first faintly, then right outside my window, and then trailing off until there was one big crash. I threw on some jeans and a sweatshirt, picked up my cell phone, and ran outside to see what was happening. At the end of the street, a car's front end was planted firmly against a brick mailbox with radiator steam billowing. I called 911 and headed to see if the driver was okay, but another neighbor was already there. As I looked back up the street, a few more broken brick mailboxes with uprooted ornamental shrubs littered the path leading to the steaming car. From practically every house on the block, neighbors gathered to see what caused all this commotion. A teenager who'd had too much to drink was responsible for the destruction. Thankfully, he was unhurt, although he was in serious trouble with the police and his parents. That night changed our neighborhood. Until then, most of us knew the neighbors who lived on either side of us, plus maybe a few more on the block. However, as about 30 people stood in the street with bed hair and PJs, 
we met each other for the first time, even though we had lived close to each other for five years or more. Well, such is the way of life in suburbia. Once upon a time, people knew their neighbors, talked to them daily, had cookouts, and went to church together. In this age of unprecedented mobility and increasing isolation, it's hard to make connections with those who live right outside our front door. We have hundreds of friends through social media, yet we don't know the names of the people who live next door. Getting to know our neighbors can be intimidating. If we live in a neighborhood where everybody has a lawn service and a garage, we may only see our neighbors in their cars when the garage door opens in the morning or closes at night. Some even drive their cars right up to the mailbox to retrieve their mail before disappearing into the house. With such limited interaction, it's easy to remain nameless. It may even feel better that way. We're like the antagonist in Robert Frost's poem, Mending Wall, who says, Good fences make good neighbors. What if we took the time to get to know our neighbors and discovered they weren't so different from us? They go to work, raise their kids the best they can, and struggle with the same things we do. Maybe, like us, they long for a place of belonging and acceptance and love. What could happen if we got to know the people in our neighborhood and they got to know us? Not only would we be better neighbors, but we could also become good friends. This idea of being a good neighbor should be important to those of us who call ourselves Christians because it's important to Jesus. When a lawyer asked Jesus to reduce everything in God's law into one commandment, he said, Love God with everything you've got, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've turned Jesus' simple commandment into bumper stickers and t-shirts without putting the principle into practice. I guess we believe in the concept, but not enough to live it out. Jesus wants us to put our love into action, first with those closest to us, and then with the world. In Luke's gospel, an expert in the law asks Jesus how to find eternal life. In a typical rabbinical fashion, Jesus answers his question with a question. What does the law say? The lawyer responds, Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus commends his answer and then says, Do this and you will live. The expert in the law isn't satisfied, though, because he's looking for a loophole that allows him to exclude people he doesn't want to love. He asks another question then. Who is my neighbor? I suspect he wanted Jesus to say that only faithful, law-abiding Jews qualify as his neighbors, but Jesus wasn't having any of it. To make his point about neighbors, Jesus describes a Samaritan man someone who's about as far from a friend to the Jewish lawyer as you can get. Samaritans were despised by the Jews because, although they were once considered Jews themselves, they intermarried with foreigners during one of the occupations by the Assyrians. Faithful Jews considered Samaritans religiously unclean and socially unacceptable. 
the Samaritan man encountered a traveler beaten by robbers and left for dead. Although a priest and a Levite, both faithful Jews, passed by the wounded man and offered no help, the Samaritan man stopped and cared for the victim. After attending to his immediate needs, he took the man to a nearby lodge and covered the cost of his continuing recovery. Jesus asked the lawyer, Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Jesus' parable challenged the lawyer by expanding the definition of a neighbor to include anybody we meet under any circumstances. I don't know if the lawyer had any Samaritan neighbors, but he likely did. And it also wouldn't surprise me if Jesus knew this fact when he told this story as he did. While this parable is about loving those we may not like, it's also about seeing everyone around us and loving them where they are, no strings attached. I've had neighbors whose lifestyles and values didn't align with mine. However, God's call to love my neighbor means I love them anyway, not just in theory, but in practice, and by being the best neighbor I can be. When we don't invest time in getting to know our neighbors, we're missing an opportunity to create a loving, supportive community that we all need. Instead, we create an atmosphere where people experience, first of all, isolation. Now, I'm an introvert, and I'm a very private person. It's easy for me to leave my house every morning with my head down, full of thoughts about the day ahead of me, then focus all day on my work, come back home, and hurry back inside. The problem with this pattern is I fail to interact with the people around me, and they don't get to know me. My isolation may be forcing my neighbors into isolation too, because I might be the only potential face-to-face contact they have, especially if they're elderly and family lives out of town. But also, we create an atmosphere of fear when we isolate ourselves. Whatever is unknown or unfamiliar to us is foreign and scary. Getting to know others alleviates our fears. Besides, if we don't know someone, we can other them, meaning we can reduce them to a stereotype. But then fear also leads to misunderstanding. When we don't know our neighbors, it's easy to misunderstand their situation and make assumptions about them causing us to miss out on opportunities to help them. There was a guy whose neighbor's house was in disrepair. The garage door was halfway up because of broken hinges. Some of the gutters were hanging off the roof, and the shrubs were overgrown, making the house look abandoned. So this guy called the city to complain, and a code enforcement officer came by and ticketed the house. A few days later, The guy talked to another neighbor about the blighted house across the street. Yeah, his neighbor said, the woman who lives there lives alone, and her mother, who lives across town, has cancer. She stopped working to care for her mom because she couldn't afford sitters. For the last six months, she's been at her mother's bedside 24-7 and unable to come home and take care of her house. 
Well, you can imagine how horrible this guy felt once he got the whole story. So immediately, he cut her grass and he started fixing things at her house. But here's an important question. Why didn't he already know her situation? Throughout the Bible, God tells us to love our neighbors. 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says, How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? If we keep our heads down, and our blinds closed. We can't see our neighbors. And then we can't see whether they are a brother or sister in need. Jesus emphasized that next to loving him, caring for one another is the second most important thing we can do. Let's look at an exercise that helps us evaluate our neighboring. I've included a copy of the neighborhood block map in the show notes, And I want us to each fill one out this week. The results could be embarrassing. However, the point of this exercise is not to shame anyone, for the purpose is to simply help us move the great commandment from theory into practice. To begin, imagine the box in the center of the chart as your house, and then the other boxes represent the eight houses closest to you. You probably don't live in a community that looks like a tic-tac-toe board, and that's okay. I think you'll figure out how to locate the eight houses closest to you to use for this exercise. In the middle of the chart, write your home address. In the other boxes, fill in three subpoints for each box as follows. For number one, write the names of the people who live in the houses represented by each box. Now, if you can give first and last names, that's great. But if it's only first names, well, we'll count that too. In the second area, write down some relevant information about each person beyond their names. Now, here I'm looking for some facts about them that you've picked up from asking some basic introductory kinds of questions. And then in the third area, write down some more in-depth information you would know only after connecting with your neighbors on numerous occasions. Your responses might include their career plans, dreams for starting a family, or places they would love to visit someday. Maybe what motivates them, or what do they fear most? What are their spiritual beliefs and practices? Dave Runyon and Jay Pathak offered this exercise in their book, The Art of Neighboring, building genuine relationships right outside your door. Dave and Jay say, about 10% of people can fill out the names of all eight of their neighbors. Well, that's pretty good. About 3% can fill out some basic information for every home. But less than 1% can fill out more in-depth information for each of the eight boxes. Now, consider what this means. Jesus said to love our neighbors. While this teaching extends to our metaphoric neighbors, that would be anybody in need, it also means our actual neighbors, the people who live next door. Over the next two weeks, we'll continue to study the importance of being a good neighbor, especially for us who are Christians. We'll also explore how to be better neighbors in this crazy time in which we live. 
But in prep for this, allow me to paint a picture of what's possible. Many years ago, a blacksmith had a vision in which an angel said to him, The time has come for you to take your place in God's kingdom. I thank God for thinking of me, said the blacksmith, but as you know, the season of planting is just around the corner. The farmers need their plows repaired and horses shod. I don't want to seem ungrateful, but could I put off taking my place in the kingdom until I've finished my work? The angel thought it was a fair request and granted it. The blacksmith continued his work, but then later the angel appeared again. I've heard of a neighbor who fell ill right here in the middle of planting season, said the blacksmith. Do you think eternity could hold off a little longer? If I don't finish planting my friend's field for him, his family will suffer. Again, the angel smiled and vanished. The blacksmith's friend recovered, but another's barn burned down from a lightning strike, and a third was grieving the loss of his wife. Whenever the angel appeared, the blacksmith pointed to another experience of his neighbor's suffering and how he needed to help. But one evening, the blacksmith felt old and tired, so he prayed, Lord, if you would like to send your angel again, I'm ready to go now. No sooner than he uttered these words, the angel appeared. If you still want me, said the blacksmith, I'm ready to take my place in the kingdom of God. The angel looked at the blacksmith, smiled, and said, Where do you think you've been living all these years? The art of neighboring is simply this, loving all those we meet, especially those closest to us but to do so so that we can make a better world for all. I look forward to exploring more ways to live out our love for God through loving our neighbors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thanks for being with us, and I hope and pray that you have a great week, and if there's anything that we can do for you, please reach out because we'd love to do it. Take care. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in the community, please visit us at fumcflorence.com or facebook.com slash florencefumc.com.